to start off the episode with a little snippet of the blog post I'm writing for the higher dining experience that I recently had a had the opportunity to be a part of. As I pulled up to the pre-war studio lofts of manufacturing and offices of centuries past, I welcome the excitement one feels when trying an experience built up in one's mind for weeks as I entered the elevator to the second floor, door number 39. Greeted by a lovely smile, a woman in a Canadian tuxedo, likely to mark the grandiose occasion, denim on denim, escorted me to my friend who had arrived unfashionably early, and I, of course, 20 minutes fashionably late. The space, the vibe, the luxe of it all way exceeded my expectations. This was no dorm potluck and box brownie party. No man, this was stoner culture at its finest. This was the higher dining 420 experience. A bud tender and bartender, dark oak and retro stools for patrons to sit on and commiserate on the east side of the space. A sprawling green leather couch adjacent to it, just in case the bong rips of mimosa and green crack had warmed the bellows of your, of your cerebellum and you were ready for a cozy chat or introspective catnap. There was a sangria station infused with guava and balanced nodes of CBD and THC oil. There was a stylish gold rolling bar, the ones that I dream of whenever I receive a mistakenly dropped off Crate and Barrel catalog on the north side and it was adorned with a line of higher dining's homewares including their candles an ode to the new york city popularized strains of bud lavender haze and sour diesel neither of which smelled like herb but rather like candles you'd gift your good friend at a housewarming to tie in his or hers new adult apartment candles that screamed you made it. You no longer have to live with roommates anymore. And so the guests frolic between bartender and bartender, chattily with the higher dining staff and another bowl, bong, and beverage exchanged. The guests were a beautiful mix of gender and color. We all felt safe and warm. Most of all, we felt valued and appreciated to be in one another's company. The brunch was something I'd only seen on TV, on travel, MTV, or Vice. A spectacle of luxury that seemed to be reserved for the ultra-artsy or predominantly wealthy. Okay, maybe not Vice. They seem to be privy to inclusion and belonging, but certainly the throes of cannabis users and blunt tuggers are very different on social media and in cannabis marketing. No, on this brunch day party, the higher dining experience was reserved for the culture by the culture. Beautiful shades of humans enjoying toques and dishes infused and enveloped in bechamel. By the last course, dulce de leche bread pudding, which if served in a shoebox, I'd eat out the trash. It was that fucking good. By that course, we all were believers all unable to go back to the days of dank Rice Krispies. We were now all anointed herb aficionados. 
we were all dapper stoners. Our ancestors calling us home to the flowery thrones that were rightfully ours for millennia. My throne will be forever present, whether on the stoop, on the boardwalk of Coney Island, or at the table of higher dining queens. Queen Rochelle and Queen Chanelle, long live the 420 queens. It's Deidre. Hey, this is Christina. And this is Bagels and Plantains. So on the show today, we have some lovely, lovely guests. 420 has just passed. And so have a few legalizations this year. It's been a big year, big year for cannabis legalization. And we thought we'd do a fun introduction into the cannabis industry as a career and just as an interest and kind of get into the ins and outs of some of the legalization policies and some fun facts. So before we dive right in, let's talk about... Deidre, did you have any questions or anything you wanted to, on top of mind? Any fun facts you maybe didn't know? I will say this. It's something that the, the new legalizations of marijuana in different states and potentially nationwide, and even with some of our neighbors, Canada legalizing marijuana has always interested me because when you go back to specifically in New York, the Rockefeller drug laws and how that the incarceration of so many Black and Latino people were caused by people who were either selling or possessing marijuana. I think it's interesting now that on the cusp of national legalization, that so many of the people profiting from the marijuana industry are not Black and Latino. So I think that just knowing about the mission of our guests today gives me a lot of hope that there will be room in the market for those who have been incarcerated and marginalized by marijuana to then at some point become profiteers of it. And I think in that we're taking what was used to marginalize us and use it to uplift us and take away the stigma. So I'm really, really, really excited about our guests. And yes, ditto. So fun fact Number one is that over 94 million people in the U.S. have admitted to trying it at least once. That's Crazy. A pretty big number. And I'm sure the number is even bigger because I believe this was, this was surveyed in like 2014, 15. Another fun fact, which I did not know at all, but it makes total sense. Beer hops and cannabis are cousin plants and they're, the same, they're in the same flower family. That is a fun fact. Um, that is a fun fact. And it's funny that both alcohol and cannabis has such a weird history in America. And I don't know why we haven't learned anything about prohibition, but I don't know if they noticed. But when you do things like that, I mean, that really was what catapulted organized crime, mm. the prohibition era. So I find it really funny that we would, again, try to curb people's I don't know, habits or medicines. Well, alcohol and well, alcohol will kill you. So I don't know if it's really a medicine, but it's just so funny that we haven't learned our lesson there. And then legalizing cannabis would generate $8.7 billion in federal and in state tax revenue per year. That is not total revenue. That is just tax. Oh yeah. And you can see that in states like Colorado and California 
the taxes on marijuana is a huge revenue generator, like tremendous. For the most part, a lot of the times the taxes on the sale of recreational marijuana sometimes either equal or overpass the cost, excuse me, of marijuana. Yeah, yeah. And to that point, it's probably no surprise that in Colorado, recreational cannabis dispensaries outnumber Starbucks three, two, one. Oh, that's crazy. So no one is hyped up. Everyone is chill, which I can attest to because everyone drives ridiculously slow <laughs> and swerve a little or like they forget their exit. I feel like that, that happens, I'm sure. Some scary stats is in 2016, nearly 600,000 people were arrested for simple marijuana possession. And enforcing marijuana laws cost us about, at least in the U.S., about $3.6 billion a year. And that's just enforcing those laws. And then states spent about $496 million in incarcerating people for marijuana in possession in 2010. So that's great. But hopefully that's turning around. I think what's happening is that the states are kind of good to go and it makes sense. I think by 2017, we had 33 states who have legalized it on the state level, but somehow the federal level hasn't seen it. So maybe the, you know, a great stat is that by 2020, they're expecting about 20 billion in sales revenue within the cannabis industry. And, you know, our government loves money. So maybe that'll wake some people up. Of course. Uh, I do want to clarify that. I think 33 states have legalized it but not all of those 33 have legalized it for recreational use. Correct. Correct. So it's not all, I think the number is definitely lower for recreational. And to touch on Deidre's earlier note, Marianne, marijuana, Mariana, that's what we should call her. Mariana. <laughs> Mariana. So like, it would be great. They have a song. They could do a remix like Tatiana, bust down Mariana. Um, The ACLU uh, reported that marijuana use is roughly equal among blacks and whites, yet blacks are 3.73 times as likely to be arrested for marijuana possession. Um, Fact we already knew. Fact we already knew. Yeah. And what's so funny about it is that sometimes it just takes Ben and Jerry (laughs) to listen to bring some of that to light. I mean, as a, uh, I almost, yeah, I'm gonna throw myself under the bus. As a stoner, (laughs) Ben and Jerry's has always been a favorite of mine, but they seem to have taken it a step further. So not all, like not all my stats, but DJ did send me that post and I was like, this is amazing. You Uh, know, Ben and Jerry's has always been down with the cause. So I'm not surprised that they came out and spoke out about it. And Vermont is the one, I believe, one of the recreational states. Yes. Uh, So that's comforting. And with that said, another fun fact that we think our guests are totally changing the face of is that although, you know, it is on the rise and there is lots of money in this, 81% of CEOs and heads of these cannabis companies are white males. And I hope that our guests, actually, I know that our guests are going to change, change the face of that in one way or another. So we have the ladies of Higher Dining, uh, Rochelle and Chanelli with us today. Chanelli, they are sisters, so it's no coincidence that their names are 
I kind of like that your name sounds so cool. I wish my, my parents would have thought about that. Like, can we have, like, matching names? Like, they didn't think about that at all. You don't sound related at, at all. So, Chanelli and Rochelle have had quite a passion for food for a long time. Their pastime was watching cooking shows alongside each other. Today, the co-founding chief and chief commercial officer of New York City's Higher Dining brings her artful cuisine socials worldwide. As a labor movement union representative, Chanelli Benya polished her business acumen at Howard University and rubbed elbows with members of Congress prior to establishing herself at the International Culinary Center. Her sister, inspired by the entrepreneurial spirit of her parents, Rochelle delved into the world of customer service within her community as a means to cultivate a gourmet legacy. Whether A-list or startup, higher dining sizzling selections are prepared with love and create mouth-watering memories. Reminiscence of her early days cooking Sunday dinner with college roommates, Chanelli Pena's clientele gathers around elaborate spreads with laughing faces and celebration. So let's welcome to the podcast, Chanelli and Rochelle. Hi, I'm Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, thank you for having us. I'm so honored to be here with you all today. I'm so excited. I literally... I texted Rochelle today. I mean, I've been I've been to your we met by happen chance going to Shakela, a mutual friend of ours, empowerment dinner, and it was uh, definitely love at first bite and sight because they were definitely like decked out and fabulous. When I was like, how can someone look that good sweating and cooking in the kitchen? That's ridiculous. I never looked that way. But on top of that, the food was just bomb. And so, after going to one of their larger events. And looking back at their bios again, I couldn't be more proud of you ladies. And I actually clapped at work and people were like, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) So I'm so happy that you guys are here. I guess whoever wants to start first, you know, walk us down your backgrounds and how this all just came about. You can go. Hi, everyone. I'm Chanelli. I am a mother, a chef, and an entrepreneur. Higher dining, how did higher dining come about? My sister and I have always been one. We always done things together. And when I got out of culinary school, so I went to culinary school because once I had my son, I didn't want to go into a job that I dreaded and hated. I want and cooking just came back to my mind and it was something that I couldn't stop thinking. So I was like, let me just do it. Let me just give it a try. Once I got out, I wanted to I didn't want to go into restaurant kitchen because one, they don't pay well and it was too egocentric. So I wanted to do something for myself. And who better to partner with him with my sister, who also loves to cook and also loves weed. And it's been a part of our life forever. So yeah, so we built Higher Dining. And our main goal with this is to destigmatize cannabis consumers of what they look like and that they're not lazy and they can be successful. But yeah, what about you, Rochelle? What's your story? Well, hi, guys. I'm Rochelle. Higher dining began for us. It was like brainstorming ideas. I had been baking with cannabis for about five years. Before higher dining, I had a small cupcake business where I would make pastries. And then I started making pastries infused with cannabis one round 420 that my friend came over with like an ounce of weed. And they were really good. So I started doing them. And once my sister got out of culinary school, we started brainstorming ideas and how we wanted to, what we wanted to do, what 
was something different that we wanted to do to share with the world. We knew that we loved to cook because we always enjoyed being in the kitchen since we were young. And we knew that we liked to put events together and just get creative and come up with crazy themes. And so for our first event, we planned it in my mom's house. It took us, maybe we planned it in like two weeks. I was on vacation when we, while we were planning it. And we started selling tickets. We sold out our first event and it turned out really great. And it just started from there. Wow, that's awesome. Talk to me more about why you decided to start to infuse foods and mix not only just marijuana consumption with like culinary artistry, because I know that I've followed the Instagram page. You guys aren't doing brownies and, you know, cereal bars. You guys are doing multiple courses, lots of desserts, beautiful plating. This isn't some like, you know, what your friend or your aunt or your cousin can make in their kitchen. So talk to us about how you decided on presentation and how you decided to start to infuse like fine dining with cannabis consumption. So we wanted to change the way people viewed cannabis, especially our community. Growing up, cannabis was very looked down upon. Even when I started smoking weed after, um, while I was in college, my mom did not agree with it at all. So we wanted to change the way people viewed cannabis and teach other people different ways to get high without having to smoke the weed you know like there's different ways for you to elevate and we also just love we're very attention to detail so we like to show that with our food with our events even with the table set up like everything we we actually help me so with we wanted to stay away from your usual cannabis food, which are brownies and and gummy bears or the Rice Krispies. And those are things that usually get you so high that you can enjoy life, that you just have to pass out. That wasn't our goal. We wanted to have dosage that we knew the amount, that the guests know the amount, and that they know that they're going to get into a euphoria, that they're going to enjoy themselves. So that's, and then, I mean, food is a beautiful thing, so why not make it look beautiful too? I will attest to that. Like, it was, not only was the space beautiful, Deidre was like, yo, get that, get that place. Where's that place at? <laughs> but it was just so beautifully curated. Like all the food, the way it came out, the specific, like the 420 event and like most of your events, I'm assuming, I know people have the option, but there was also like joint and, and L pairings for those on the, on the listening who don't know what an L is, a blunt. And not only were they presented and paired with the food, we were also educated about the strain and what it did and how it got our mind or our body high and why it was being paired with the food. And back to that thought about like, you know, not only do those really high cannabis or, you know, whatever, and maybe you guys can speak to like how infusion works, but it wasn't like the food was just so delicious. I did not taste like I've had brownies, I've had cookies and what and gummies. And what steered me away from them is honestly the taste. Not so much like what it did to me. I mean, I also didn't like that. I felt like I was glued to the couch, but I just didn't taste good. I was like, there has to be a way to make this taste good. 
And every course at this at our at the 420 event was just absolutely delicious. And there was none of that like grassy green taste that you, you normally get with things. And we had a we had breaks and and it was just paired so beautifully. Like at no point did I feel so stoned that I couldn't operate or chat with everyone. I am normally a chatty person and I don't feel like that was the vibe, but I could have easily, depending on the strains or how things worked or how the, how thing, how the frequency of smoking and eating and ingesting things that I could have, I could have easily not been, I could have definitely just went into my little, my little 420 cocoon and been happy there. But if you ladies can speak to that, like, how do you, and your background about your education, because I believe one of you have somewhat of an education in cannabis. So how does so, that really work? The infusion and knowing what to pair. It's like when you, we do oil infusions, but when you regular, like people that cook, if you add too much butter to something, you can ruin the dish. It's the same thing with food. If you, with wheat food, if you add too much wheat oil, you can ruin it. And then it's just going to taste like butter. You want to, you want customers to be able to taste everything in the dish, not just the weed. So you don't have to add so much oil so that they can just be high. You want them to taste everything. Yeah, and it's also like with our event, since everything, most of the dishes are infused and there's also smoking involved, there's no need to put too much infusion into the dish so you can taste the cannabis because that's not the point. The point is for you to, feel good about yourself and get a body high and also enjoy great food that tastes amazing. That's dope. And it's funny because I know when we were first introduced, when Christina introduced me to higher dining, I was shocked that it was two Latina women. What are typically the reactions that you get being two women of color in this industry? Well, for me, I think Rochelle can speak to her own experience. I don't know if I just stick too much to being in my own bubble that I don't pay attention to like whatever's going on or, or, or what the reactions that people give me, but I think we've had a great reaction from people, but I don't know if we're in that circle so much that we can get negative reactions, if that makes any sense. Oh, it definitely does. I don't think we've gotten any negative reaction, but some people are surprised that it is two Latina women behind the brand they they expect there to be a man and yeah i think they're just surprised and sometimes they don't expect you to be as knowledgeable as you are yeah i can totally see that i think there is just a there is especially in american culture like there's just like and and especially with women and maybe you can speak to this Chanelli, because you you have a son like it's totally acceptable for you to be a wino mom and not, or a wino woman, but not for you to be someone who smokes pot or enjoys CBD facials or like has any, any relation to marijuana. Yeah. It's like, why is it totally acceptable for you to be a shit-faced mom, but it's not okay for you to be someone who's high and comfortable and maybe it's going to get some sleep tonight. Yeah. Does that, have you ever seen that or is that something that? Yeah, of course, everywhere. That's like the thing. But I think alcohol and weed have similar history. The only thing that was that 
alcohol was legalized before weed. But I think in the future, our children or maybe our grandchildren, weed will, like, there will be shows about weed. How you know they have those shows about alcohol when it first got legalized and there was speakeasies. That will be what weed is in the future. So it will be a regular thing. And then it won't be such a cool thing. So let's enjoy it while it's cool. (laughs) Yeah, for real. I feel like it's almost taking its, not taking its decline, but it is normalizing which is really hopeful. But then my question was that it's normalizing, but do we want it to normalize? What would it do for us? That's my thing. What is it going to do for minorities? That's right. the big thing. Is it going to be normal for us or is it just going to be normal for the people with money and white people? Are they going to be the ones banking on this? Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's why it's so important. And I feel like every time I see like a bud brand ambassador, especially if she's a female and she's blonde hair, blue eyed. I'm like, yeah. why is that completely okay? But if they we just started smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, you just start like, go take a seat. But if, if whenever I see that, I automatically think about the probably hundreds to thousands of girlfriends who are now in jail because some boyfriend was hiding bud in their car or in their closet, you know? And then it kind of like breaks my heart that people who will get in those circumstances and for like not large amounts of weed, you know what I mean? And are in jail. Meanwhile, there's, you know, Megan on the gram smoking a bowl and has like 300,000 followers. And probably like five pounds behind her. Yeah. Yeah. Literally and doing God knows what else. But I will say that was like, that was like so, so dope. And I didn't even realize like at the event, like Christina, who was my, my road dog, she came through with me. She oh my was, God, you guys have the same names. I didn't even realize. Yeah, it's so weird. We're totally, and we're totally different people. Totally different <laughs> people. She's like, yeah. Um, but she was like, oh my God, there's no white people here. And I was like, and I love it. <laughs> because that's like, it was so, it was so high end and it was so beautiful. And everybody was there. There was people with their bays. It was just such a beautiful thing. There wasn't just women. There was men there, which made it really nice, too, because men, you know, need some self-care and some brunch, too. Yeah. I just thought that was, yeah, I just wanted to touch upon that. I guess a pivot, because, Christina, you mentioned that there are, there were a lot of people of color as your clients. Who are your typical clients? Like, who are the people who are buying tickets and coming? Is it mostly like the people who are experimental, the people who are... You know, like, oh, this is interesting. I smoke regularly, but I'm looking for a new way or a new way to experience. It's experienced smokers. It's like weed connoisseurs that are really interested in weed and the different types of eyes. And we have different age groups, which is very interesting. Like, we can have in the room 50-year-olds, and then we also have 22-year-olds. That's very inclusive. Look at that. It's age-inclusive. It's <laughs> culturally inclusive. Everyone, go buy a higher dining ticket. Everyone right will. Now. Right now, you guys not only have the catering, but you guys also are kind of like monetizing the whole brand. Tell us what else you're doing with Higher Dining. We also have two scented candles named after the two most popular strains in New York at the moment. We are we launched our ice cream back in December, working on a relaunch. We're also doing ceramics, house, house, home accessories. But yeah, so we have two sets of candles. They were named after Uptown's famous weed, Lavender Haze. 
and sour diesel. We also have cannabis ice cream. We also have the options of doing non-infused ice cream because we love ice cream so much. So I feel like we've mastered our recipes with that. And we're also working on some houseware. Oh, that's interesting. So it's not just about the food experience. It's about almost like a lifestyle experience. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And so I know that you ladies do these personalized events. Do you guys also have plans to do like private chef experiences, maybe a road show of some sort? What are your plans for higher dining? So we do private catering. We do private chefs. We've been doing that for about a year now. We get a few clients. We are actually doing Christina's. Well, your party. Yeah, Bagels and Plantains Mayo Cuatro party. We thought about going on the road, but that's not something that we're starting about yet. Because there's so much things, like there's so much going on and so much things come to us. So let's see what happens. I know for me, I would really like for you guys. <laughs> and maybe I will be the one who's like, we, we're going to do this. Oh, oh, sorry to cut you off, Christina. Yeah. We're also working on a higher dining series called You Could Be Higher, where you would get to know me and my sister, Chanelle, the faces behind higher dining, and also other women and men in the industry and outside the industry that are smokers and are successful in their careers. Well, thank that's you for cutting me off because that's what I was going to ask for. <laughs> so sign me up. No, <laughs> send me the application. No, because, you know, it is very, when you're, when you're, you know, crossing the waters, although it's, it's becoming less and less stigmatized, you don't know who you can say those things to. Like, right. you know, you can't be like, you're at a conference for like five days and you're like, I can't, all this in, like social anxiety, I've had enough. Like, you don't know like who and where is acceptable for that to happen. And you know it is, but you like kind of have to like wait. So I think that's really important to have that. And like you said earlier, like marijuana has so many uses. Like I think for whatever reason, especially because it's called dope, <laughs> maybe we should change that, is that it makes you stupid or it makes you lazy. You did a great job of like educating us each course. What are some like common things that like maybe the someone who's just getting into weed or like didn't know? Because I know for a long time I had, you know, I had been smoking, but I didn't know what they were called or what they did for me. You know, it took until I became more of an aficionado and was around people who, you know, usually it was white people because they weren't so stigmatized about smoking and doing it regularly. And they could go to these places where, you know, they went to dispensaries and, and got a little bit more educated about it. Or, you know, I had a friend who actually wasn't a weed horticulturist. And so he taught me about all that stuff and like what he uses for his own anxiety and for his own productivity. So can, what are some like common things that the new enthusiasts or what people don't know about weed should know about different strains? What are like there's some so much out there. There's so there's much, many things out there that can help you with anything. Like, I my friend, there, I have a friend that she's not a weed smoker, and she's like, weed is just not my thing. I think I'm gonna go for CBD. And I'm like, you have it. Like, there's so much. That, like men, there's so many men out there. You <laughs> gotta find the right one. Yeah, like there's so many different types of strains, and then the difference between the sativa and the indica and the hybrid. And how they affect your body. Like, you can smoke a sativa that 
will have you being productive, very, very productive, doing, getting all your work done. But you can also smoke a sativa that's just going to have you talking nonstop. Right. Which I probably don't need. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we started off the event, that's where I was, right? And I was like, tick, 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 tick. people were like, I can't, girl. Not right now. What are some, so what do you think this is, like you said, the medicated movement? What do you think this might mean for us as a community? And not even just like how, you know, not just minorities, but what it means to use it for healing. Because you guys, I've also saw that you guys do like yoga events and things like that. So what, what do you think it may mean for just the global community as a whole? I've also seen that, you know, they're now using cannabis to help with people with seizures and autism. So it's, it's very interesting. Like, and I'm glad that it's something, and it's something that's very natural and it's a, it's a natural alternative. Like I have friends who are not smokers, but they get really bad cramps. And so they'll hit a pen and they don't need to chug a bottle of Advil all week. They just hit the pen and go about their day. They're not, they're not even recreational smokers. They just don't want to, don't just want to keep taking drugs and it doesn't work. Weed is an anti-inflammatory, so it helps when we're bloated and when we have cramps, it helps alleviate the pain. I see. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I did not even know that. And it helps a lot with anxiety. Even though there is, like I said, there's different types of strains. So you want to make sure that you're smoking something that's not going to give you anxiety because I I smoke a lot. So I have smoked weed that I smoke and I'm like, shit, now I'm anxious as fuck. So yeah. you have to make sure you know what you're smoking. And there's so many books and even just the internet, you look up the strain, there's sites and they tell you so much about it, about the different strains and the different effects. Yeah. Cannabis brings people together and it heals. So everyone should get on it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. How do you guys, so for instance, we have coming up, we have our Cuatro de Mayo party, the 54321 party uh, with bagels and plantains, our launch party and my birthday. Yeah. We are, we're this particular event, we're keeping it smoke free. So we also are having it, you know, some infused and not infused. So everybody can take part in it and not feel like, oh, cannabis is being forced on me. I just, A, love your food. And I was like, I could eat, I'd eat this all day. Like if the bread pudding at their event, Deja, if I could have put it in a shoebox, like filled it up and... <laughs> And That's ate okay. it. I was like, <laughs> I was like looking at other people's and like, I hope they don't eat that shit. <laughs> so I could eat it. <laughs> so I could eat it. I hear scamming um, other people's bread pudding. Mm. Yeah, and there was a couple. I put it like on Instagram. She was definitely oh, eyeballing, yeah, definitely eyeballing her girls' her, her, her bread pudding. And I was like, ooh, she's about to get taken. She's about to get her whole bread pudding taken. So how do you guys put together? How do you guys, you know, think up or put together menus? How do you know what goes with um, what? Well, we try to make sure that each dish goes along with the next dish. And also we use inspiration from dishes we've tried. If we traveled recently, we use that as well as inspiration. And just different types of food. Like, for instance, I was at Bronx Bites one day and we had jalapenos that weren't being used. And I was like, all right, let's just make a jalapeno jam. I made the jam and the jam was so good. I didn't even leave it at Bronx Bites. I'm like, okay, no, never mind. This is for higher dining. (laughs) 
and we used it as it was it was served during the dinner we used it as one of the sauce sauces for the empanadas that we served and it was a hit like just finding inspiration in everything you do that really helps me with creating the menu my son is bugging me so i have to go soon guys just going to let you know no problem. <laughs> you'll hear him in the background. I'm going to try to keep him shut. No, no problem. No problem. So, Chanelli, before you go, in your bio, I don't know if you watched Beyonce's Homecoming, but you went to HBCU. I, I thought, I'm almost done with it. It's super long. Oh, yeah. I did. <laughs> I went to that HBCU that she's repping. Yeah. How was, I mean, I was like, oh, so envious. Uh, I was like, yeah, how was that experience? How does that, how is that whole thing played into the inspiration and your business plan because that was that where you went for business school yeah. I went to school I went to Howard for poly, I majored in poli science French I studied abroad in Paris so while I was in school I was in I would just never thought I would have been a chef I was I would always cook and have my friends over for food but it would have never crossed my mind that I would have been a chef a business owner yes but not a chef but yeah I've always loved to eat like eating is my number one hobby. That's what I like to do. That's what I, oh, I'm always doing. And I love to cook too. I think somewhere deep down, you knew we were going to get into cooking because I recall a conversation we had when I was in college as well. We were talking, she was trying to help me figure out what I should do. And she's like, you love baking, so start baking. And that was what inspired me to start my cupcake business. And in that conversation, she has said, you know, we're not supposed to be regular girls. Like, my, our parents didn't have us for us to be regular. Like, we have to do something different that's going to get us noticed and just be out there. Whatever it is that we love, we have to start doing. And here we are. All right. And you guys married that together. Your love for <laughs> Bud and your love for eating. I will yeah. say, like, those are, like, my three favorite things. It's, like, writing, eating. And being higher. So I was like, this, this is, this is, I don't know how to incorporate that into my, because I don't write well, honestly, on, on that, on marijuana. What are, so, so before we let you go, because you guys love food. Yes, you do write well. You write very well. But not high. I don't do that high. I can't oh, do okay. that. No, that's, <laughs> that's not. I've done it a few times. You know what it is? I can still use my faculties a lot more. So for me, alcohol makes me a little freer. Where like, like you said, it takes about educating yourself. So sometimes we make you paranoid and you're like, oh no, I can't write this. Nah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, this is whack. I think a lot when I'm, I think a lot period, but when I'm high, I think deeper. So I think I can work well while I'm high, but then sometimes it's just too deep. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, artists, artists forever have been using it. So before we let you guys go, you guys are huge food enthusiasts. If you could be a food, what would you be? Ice cream. What did you say? <laughs> ice cream. She did not hesitate. She was like, ice cream. I would be ice cream too, but to change it up, I would be avocado. I would be an avocado. Just because I can eat avocado any time of the day, and it's still good for you. Yeah. Well, you guys are yeah. avocado ice cream. There you go. Boom. Ice cream. Nice. That sounds like it would be good. You guys could use that. Go make avocado ice cream out there. 
I got you. That might be good. <laughs> I'm excited for your party next week. I'm Super so thing. excited. All right, all right. So let's let's talk about the menu real quick. <laughs> this is a check-in. This is also part of the podcast, but a check-in. <laughs> let's get it all. Let's get it all done in one. What can our lovely guests expect? What's on the menu? We're gonna have tacos. Boom. Ice cream, definitely. Will there be plantains? Yeah, there'll yes. be plantains. There'll, there'll be definitely plantains. be plantains. Yeah. And oh, it's, we're going to have a rice bowl. Oh, a rice a bowl. bowl. Yeah. Lit. I'm intrigued. I, I And it makes me happy because I can't stand Chipotle. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the concept. I feel like I can make a better bowl. Yeah. We talked about this in maybe some un, unreleased episodes. But, like, their food is cold. And I don't understand how you can get away with serving cold food. Like, that can't even be yeah. legal. That's how people get sick. Um, I did get sick. Let's not forget. You did? No, Chipotle. Remember the whole salmonella thing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Everyone was getting sick. (laughs) And they didn't learn nothing. Let's not forget. I've been in a pinch in maybe an area where I was like, there's no food, but there's Chipotle, though. And so I've had to to make those those quick calls. Yeah, that's it. Anything else you want people to know about higher dining? Where can they find you? Follow us at Higher Dining on Instagram. The website is HigherDining.com, just how it sounds. And yeah, come check us out. We're not only a dining experience, it's more of a lifestyle. And we would love to have you at any of our events or have you purchase any of our items. Yes. Amen. Deidre, any Thank last thoughts? Thank you for having us, Bagels and Plantain. Thank you for having us. No, Aww, definitely. Thank you for, for coming on. on. Yeah, educating us, letting us know that it's not only about smoking weed. There are other ways to enjoy the experience. So we're definitely happy to have you guys on. And we're, we're excited to watch your, your growth as a company. Yes, I'm so proud of you guys. I know I haven't known you for long, but I'm very excited about what's next for you guys. <laughs> <laughs>